Leon Townsend will tell us today about mindful divorce. So let's dive directly in with what are the main questions that she finds her clients having when going through a divorce. Um, well, I always find when clients come through the door, there's usually three main questions or worries that they have. One is um, how much money are they going to have at the end of this? Or, you know, are they going to have enough money to live the rest of their life? The second one is, are they going to lose their kids? Are they going to lose custody of their kids? How much are they going to see their kids? So all that surrounding their children. And then the third one that they often have is just this fear. Am I going to be alone the rest of my life? Will I ever find love again? And so even though they're not coming to see a lawyer to answer that question, that's a question that's very much on their mind as well. Absolutely. When they come with these questions, how would you how would you handle them? Well, I always say knowledge is power. So anytime you you know you have a fear or a concern or a question or there's some unknown in your life, the best way to to work through it and to work through the uncertainty is by gaining knowledge. So you know, if a client has a fear or a prospective client has a fear of, you know, am I going to have enough money at the end of this? Well, the way to to work through that and to address the fear um, is through knowledge. And so how, how can they gain knowledge? Well, they can gain knowledge by, you know, going to see a lawyer, first of all, and finding out what their legal rights are, what their legal entitlements are, in their specific circumstances so they can get a lay of the land find out you know is this a realistic fear or not um and if it is then you know you have to look at the next steps and if it's not then you know that should alleviate some of the concerns so i always say the first step if you know in, in my process or in any of this is just educating the client um, or educating yourself if you're the one who's in this situation by getting the knowledge and then once you have enough the knowledge you can move to the next step which is to formulate a plan so you know when you know whether you it's realistic that you need to be really worried about money or not um, you can develop a plan of action as to how to best deal with the situation so if you're going through a divorce you you're going to develop a, a strategy uh, with your lawyer or other members of your team, depending on you know whether you're doing mediation or working with a coach or you know what other uh, people you choose to have on your team. But you're going to develop a strategy about how to navigate through the situation uh, to best achieve your goals of you know making sure you come out of it with your finances in the best shape as possible. Um, and then, you know, whatever your other goals are with respect to your children and um, other assets and, and properties and things like that. And then once you have the plan, of course, the next stage is to implement the plan. So, um, the, and I always think being very action oriented is important. Anytime someone is struggling with fear or questions, I think we all have a tendency to, to get stuck and get overwhelmed. So. When I'm working with clients, um, both as a lawyer but also as a coach, it's important that you, you, once you've got that plan, that you start start implementing it and start working through it 
um, and addressing the issues head on rather than you know avoiding them, which many of us have a tendency to want to do when we're in a stressful situation. Mm-hmm. Um, and then as we work through the plan, then there's the follow-up. So this may sometimes things need to be adjusted or changed. Uh, maybe one particular part of it wasn't working as effectively as others. Uh, maybe some things were working really well and things can be adjusted that way. Um, but those are the four stages of the framework that I use. It makes so much sense. You go from building up the knowledge to making a plan, actually implementing the plan and taking action. That's exactly right. And you mentioned like the word emotion, which is such a you know difficult part of going through a divorce. Is you know it's hard not to have emotion factoring in, not just the you know emotion of fear, but other emotions as well, emotions of anger. Um, you know, being triggered by your ex. And so it's really hard for a lot of people to remove emotion from the whole decision-making process. But in many cases, you know, it's really important that they do their best to do that because often, particularly in the divorce context, emotion-based decisions are not good ones. And so it's really, really important to try to detach from the emotion as much as possible through each stage. Yes. How would you, so for example, if somebody now is in, a, in an emotional state, right, and gets continuously angry at the at the ex? I always say they should pause. So if they get a phone call or an email or some sort of message from their ex that makes them really angry and gets them really worked up, rather than responding immediately in the anger, or yeah. making a decision immediately in the anger, they should pause. And, and if possible, even wait till the next day to respond. Um, but certainly they should pause, you know, take some deep breaths. Don't, don't even respond in the next few minutes um, because, you know, often that's where things can really escalate and go in a direction that they didn't need to just because both people are just, you know, it's a tit for tat and a back and forth and... Um, you know, as you say, that doesn't usually lead to the best decisions in the divorce process. So, you know, I say go for a walk, you know, take some deep breaths, meditate, go exercise, you know, do, do any type of thing that helps relieve stress and helps you calm down. But um, if you're, you know, if you receive a very nasty message or upsetting message from your ex, I always say it's better to do any of those things before responding. <laughs> Absolutely. What is your observation is the worst things that, you know, you could have the worst outcome actually of a divorce? Well, I think you touched upon a really important uh, issue there, and that is children. So I find one of the most upsetting things that I see go on is when people uh, don't put the best interests of their children first, involve them in the divorce, and, you know, try to use them against the other spouse. And um, you know, first of all, I always say children have a right to a healthy relationship with both of their parents, and they should not be involved at all in the divorce process, even adult children. Um, it's not their job to be on your side. It's not their job to be your emotional support or your therapist or your the person that you vent to. That is not the role of your children, and you should never put them, you know, in that situation. And Parents, you know, it's hard when you're going through a rough time with your with your ex and they're saying or doing things that, you know, are really upsetting you. I think most parents have a really hard time not bad-mouthing, 
you know, that other parent to the children. And I mean, I think most parents, like I know myself, even I'm divorced. Like if I were to say that I've never, ever, ever done that, I, I would, I would be lying. Like, you know, there's those moments that happen. And as soon as you do it, you regret it. You know, it was the wrong thing to do, but, but there's some people who don't regret it. Unfortunately, they, they're trying to win favor with the children over their ex. And when you do that, the biggest loser in the process is the children because they shouldn't be involved. And in my view, it's a form of child abuse even to, to involve them and to be frequently, you know, bad-mouthing the other parent to them. So if you are in the situation that you know somebody who is uh, either as a child or uh, or as a friend, you get into the situation of the other person uses you to go against the other person. And for example, you you are good friends with both of them. So what what can you do in that situation where you find yourself on the other side? Because uh, you have one side the feeling if you don't listen that you you know the other person feels like you're on the other side. You you kind of get in stuck in between, right? What could you do there? Yes, that's a difficult position to be in, um, but I think, you know, the best advice would be just to say to both parties that uh, you don't want to get involved in it and, you know, that you're you're there as, for them as a friend in, in other ways if you can support them through this stressful time, but that you just don't want to be involved in the details of the divorce and who's doing what and what's going on and leave it at that. And if the person who's in the divorce can't respect that, then, you know, maybe you have to question what type of friend they really are um, because they should be able to understand your desire not to, to want to get involved. Yes, yes, absolutely. So was there ever a question where you were like, wow, that one question really kind of changed how I thought? Be a good listener and don't judge and, um, and also... Like, hear them out. We have a tendency in our society to be this, you know, positive vibes only. I only want positive vibes. And so when someone's going through what is a very negative situation, um, they need to have people that they can talk to um, and be honest with that, it, you know, and it is negative. That you're going through a divorce is not, a, you know, a positive experience for most people. And so knowing that they have friends who are willing to, you know, just listen to them, that they don't have to have this sort of fake positivity that we emphasize so much in our society, that they can just be real and, and honest and their friend really cares. Agree with that. I remember when I went through a tough time and what helped me the most was really when a friend just, just said, oh, you're really going through a tough time right now, huh? It was really like acknowledging that and not overplaying it with, you know, as you said, with positivity, because it is not always positive. Of course, the, you can see positive sides, but still it's a lot of stress that you have to talk through. What are you working on right now? What is your next steps? Um, well, I'm working on ways to expand uh, the coaching side of my business. So one of the things I'm currently doing is I'm working on creating a membership community where... Um, you know, people globally, so it doesn't just have to be, you know, local to where I, you know, where I live, uh, but on a global basis, people can join and be part of uh, a broader community for women that I have to, just to provide the supports um, that I think people need 
because it's often people underestimate just how stressful this time in their lives relation in some cases and then just supports because there's certain things that well it's not legal advice but there's you know like just understanding not to bring your kids into the process or understanding um not to be intimidated by your lawyer or how to shop around for a lawyer that's the right fit and things like that that yeah. could be helpful to people um and as, as well i have a, a very strong background in uh domestic violence and domestic abuse uh i was a prosecutor for many years and that was my specialty so i want to also have as part of the community for women who are in abusive relationships um you know helping provide them with supports to get the courage to leave and then safety plan and you know steps to build their new life and 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 just be able to connect with other people because as you mentioned um you know often when people are going through a divorce they feel isolated because some of their friends or a lot of their friends were in couples and now you know they they you lose friends sometimes in the divorce process and so i think it's important to connect with other people who are going through it or have gone through it and um you know some people are better about doing things like that in their local community and joining groups whereas at least if there's an online community it does provide some form of contact or a way for people to connect with others who are going through something similar absolutely and i i think because you touched on the abuse i mean you got to be tough <laughs> uh, going through that um i i just know now of next to physical abuse right it's sometimes also the emotional abuse of noticing uh that your partner is really pushing you down physically um emotionally uh to the point where you know you're really going into depressions or other other ways where you feel unworthy um and i think noticing so much it takes so much strength to notice even if you love a partner uh to literally say you're not you're we're not really doing good uh each other right no that's very true and and that's the thing like in a lot of relationships it is emotional abuse that can be far more damaging um and you know people stay in those relationships and year after year their self esteem just gets whittled you know down um and so they get to a point where they just have no you know no self esteem and no sense of empowerment they're just completely helpless they know they should leave but they just they don't even know how to go about it or what to do and where to even begin so i always find it's really important to to have a lot of supports in place for people in that type of situation. Well, where where is your experience just out of curiosity um when from your client side when when is the point sometimes where they said like you know now I've had enough is there some patterns there that you could say you know or is it really individual when it just reaches a certain threshold right there there I'm not going to stick with this anymore. Um I think there's um it's often individual but if I was to point to one thing that seems to often be kind of a final straw with uh people who are in that situation it's when it affects the children in some way so whether um whether a child gets hurt or whether it's just more um the school finds out about it or um 
you know, somebody, a neighbor or somebody sees something happening, sees like say the wife being abused in a public way and then someone else calls, you know, the authorities or where a child, you know, behavior that was being directed towards, you know, mom or dad by the abuser is now being directed towards the child. Often, you know, that's when people finally sort of realize, you know what, enough is enough. I don't want my child to be affected and to go through what I've gone through, so I have to do something. We always want our children to, you know, have a better life and be, you know, the best version of themselves. And so that is, as they say, like something that often seems to be the final, you know, the final straw for people. They, they see that it's affecting their child or they see you know, their child behaving either in an abuse, taking on the the behavior of the abuser, or, you know, being a a victim. Um, And it can really motivate people to then take action and and do what's necessary to change things. Want to, I love, by the way, the name Mindful Divorce. Well, I I thought it's a good way to approach it, right? Because if you're mindful about something, you're going to do it intelligently, right? And so, yeah, I think with divorce, you want to take, you know, do it from a place of, thoughtfulness and calm rather than, you know, triggered and emotional. That is a beautiful way of looking at it. I wanted to thank you again, my listeners. If you have any questions, then go, as you heard, directly to her homepage, email her, contact her. Thank you, my pleasure. Keep in touch. Definitely. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks so much. (laughs) Thank you. so thank you again, Lian. Next to it. Yeah. Yeah. When do you think you'll be um, air? When will it be? Um, and I don't even know. I didn't ask where you post your podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, give me about. I think one to two weeks. I have to edit it. Yeah. Um, because I re- be, I all I will also send you the edits. Then it goes back and forth. So uh, experience shows. It takes it takes two weeks, um, one to two weeks, and then I will wait a bit more. So I, I want at least five podcasts to be a bit forward, right? Um, that I already have in. So about that would be. I can tell you exactly. Um, one two. So I would say at the tenth of. 10th of uh, next month, middle of next month, I will be starting.